produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Intrepid Trio minus one. The Intrepid Trio. Sorry. Smugglers <laughs> three. Oh, that's been a crazy week. Uh, no Mighty Marvel. Well, there is Mighty Marvel Geeks this week. It is a encore presentation of the Justin Swain interview. Uh, Justin plays the detective on Luke Cage. Um, because due to storm activity, both where I'm at and where Eric's at, uh, we had some issues beyond the computers <laughs> that were, so we just didn't have a long enough uh, window to make things tight enough to do. So, but, um, we're here. Check out the homepage, wookieradio.net. Check out the right hand side of the page. You got our affiliates. You have the link to our merchandise store. Yay! Where you get your own Wookiee Radio Wookiee Fur hockey jersey. And the baseball jersey is kind of cool. And our traditional looking hockey jersey looks great. And the hats and the sweatshirts, the t shirts, all that looks awesome. Also, check out our T Public store where you can get your Porg It's What's for Dinner shirt or just your Porg shirt. Um. Uh, I just want to point out that the uh, Wookiee fur shirt is not made out of real Wookiee fur, but the Porg shirt is made out of real Porg. I was picking on Zoe. I said, Zoe, I found your Porg costume for Halloween. Now, she's not dressing <laughs> as a Porg for Halloween. Uh, she's going as Hermione Granger, which is for for her generation, the Star Wars uh, fandom that that's taking her generation by storm. But I I believe Star Wars is there, too, because my daughter loves Star Wars just as much. And, and I've asked her many times, which is better, Jedi or Wizards? She goes, they're about the same, Daddy. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. Still think the Jedi is going to win the fight. But um, anyway, she goes, oh, let me see the costume. So I showed her a picture of a roasted chicken inflatable <laughs> costume. She goes, that's not right, Daddy. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, um. So, yeah, check that out. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Wookie Radio. Email us at Wookie at WookieRadio.net. Uh, leave us a voicemail on our SpeakPipe on the website. Other than that, let's get right into it. Well, actually, I'm going to get into this first. How's it been going with you? I know. Not bad, not bad. 
you and I have just talked recently, but the listeners haven't heard us since last week. <laughs> so Actually, that reminds me, they didn't hear me last week. I was not able to record. How did the show go? Uh show went pretty good. Uh wanna thank Jeremy from Neverland Podcast Alliance. Say gotta throw that alliance because he's a member of our Smugglers Alliance. Um thank him for, for filling in for us last week. It was a fun nice. show. So excellent. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Ah. I think we have a good crew with our Smugglers Alliance. Uh they they have Definitely yeah. been there when when we've needed it, um, as, as we as we've needed it. My mistake: we don't have someone filling in this week since Ken is um, tied up with smuggled goods as of the art show kind. Uh, but there's a chance he may be joining us uh, before the end of the recording. Don't know yet. It's okay. We could do it just the two of us. We do it on another show. Just the two of us. So, speaking of just the two of us, at the moment, that's what David Collins and Amy Rat and Amy 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 Ratcliffe are saying right now, (laughs) because the two of them have been announced as returning to host Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Uh, Both of them are longtime Celebration hosts, which. I'm assuming goes back to Celebration Anaheim back in 2015. Because uh, I, I know David was a host on um, at Celebration 6, but I don't remember Amy being a host at Celebration 6. So they would have been Anaheim. I know David is definitely long-term. I don't remember if Amy was at Anaheim or if her first was at Europe. Either way. Um, so... What will they be doing? Well, Collins is a fan favorite, of of course, and will again host the digital stage. Uh, Ratcliffe, an author and pop culture journalist, will oversee the behind-the-scenes stage for the third time. So I was right. Europe and then Orlando here last year. Um, having served as host of the digital stage at Celebration um, 4, 5, 6, Europe in Germany and London, and Celebration Orlando. <laughs> he's been uh, busy. He's been busy. Uh, David is a diehard Star Wars fan who shares his unique humor, insight, and passion for all aspects of the saga. He's also a gifted voice actor, sound designer, and composer. And nice. I am working on trying to get him on the show. Uh, Collins currently is at Skywalker Sound as a sound editor and, re- and re-recording mixer on Star Wars Resistance. Um, oh, cool. But they also know him for voiceovers in Solo, a Star Wars Story, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, hmm. Rogue One, a Star Wars Story, and Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Um, and as proxy in Star Wars, the Forced Unleashed series. Interesting. Uh, and Han Solo in Star Wars Smuggler's Gambit, the radio mm. drama, which was performed at Celebration. Um, a 12-year veteran of LucasArts, uh, he worked on video games classics including Republic Commando, Star Wars Republic Commando, Star Wars The Old Republic, and many more. In 2011, he was nominated for the Writers Guild Award for his work on The Force Unleashed. Um mm. 
Collins was also a red carpet co-host for Star Wars The Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, and Solo, and has been a regular contributor to The Star Wars Show, uh, which you can find over on StarWars.com. I think it'd be cool to have those guys on the show, too, as guests, talk about their work at Lucasfilm and and doing The Star Wars Show. That could be interesting. That could be fun. And who knows? Maybe we could end up with them on a show. Mm-hmm. Mm, that would be cool. Um, beyond Star Wars, uh, Collins is the creator and host of the Soundtrack Show, which is a show I absolutely love. It's a weekly podcast that discusses and analyzes the history of music and sound for film, games, TV, and theater, but also has a voice. Um, he also has... And your dog likes him, too. Yes. He also has voice and sound credits across film, TV, and games, including the dad in Boss Baby Back in Business. Now, uh, Amy is one of the more unique and original voices in Star Wars in the pop culture journalism. Uh, she's currently managing editor for The Nerdist. Uh, she's also a longtime contributor to StarWars.com and a Celebration veteran, having hosted the behind-the-scenes stage um, at Celebration Europe in London and at Celebration Orlando. Her first book, Star Wars Women of the Galaxy, will highlight 75 female characters in the galaxy far, far away and comes to us in October. Uh, she also hosts Lattes with Leia with Dr. Andrea Ledamendi, a podcast with emphasis on discussion of the Star Wars universe and its characters. Um, but, you know, of course, Ratcliffe is a, a Star Wars fan at heart, and Celebration has meant much to her. Uh, she says she can't forget her first celebration. Well, this is her quote. I'll never forget my first celebration. I couldn't get off work for Celebration 5. Uh, so I flew in for about 36 hours. I was jet lagged and tired. I still felt bad and fell asleep during a collectibles <laughs> panel. I pushed my, I pushed through my wariness and had the time of my life meeting and hanging out with my fellow Star Wars fans. Going to celebration felt like coming home. It still does. So I'm telling you guys, you guys have got to get to the celebration. We got to figure out one year to coordinate. I wish it was Chicago, but I know. But I know Chicago's kind of a man. Tickets went quick this year for it, and so do hotel rooms. Not surprising. No. So, um, congrats again to Amy and David. Uh, glad to see you guys back at the stages that you guys handle best, and uh, and continue your legacy over at Star Wars Celebration. So. Um, but I think now we're going to kind of hit some some gaming news. Ah, uh, yes. Now, originally when EA announced Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, uh, fans weren't exactly holding on to their seats because all we got was a, a title reveal and no gameplay at all. So, uh, of course, the fans are waiting to see some trailers before they decide how they feel about it. Right. And... And given uh, the mess that the launch of Battlefront Two was, uh, <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us are kind of iffy on EA these days. Uh, minor statement, understatement. Mm, yes, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> uh, 
of course, uh, the good news is that new details have recently emerged about Jedi Fallen Order from the Making Star Wars podcast. And it sounds like it could actually be a decent game. Uh, and it's apparently going to have some similarities to the Force Unleashed. Force? Force? The Force un- <laughs> it's rubbing off. <laughs> the Force Unleashed games, uh, which, you know, for those who enjoy those games, uh, that should be good news. And I enjoyed them for the most part. They weren't perfect, but they were pretty good. They were fun. Uh, more specifically, the podcast mentions how it will be like Force Unleashed, but without the Mountain Dew qualities. And that's in quotations. Uh, I guess you could kind of say the first game had sort of an edgy kind of vibe. So, right. Yeah, it'd be kind of good not, you know, to get rid of that. Uh, and. The game will supposedly follow a young Padawan who managed to survive Order 66. Uh, it's going to follow main, the main series canon and won't have an overpowered Jedi who can kill 7 billion stormtroopers by himself uh, like Starkiller. <laughs> uh, it kind of sounds a lot like Kanan's backstory from Rebels. But it should be a slightly more mature take on the story. Right. And, and of course, there's still no release date uh, or even what consoles the game will come from. So we're still going to have to wait for more information on all of that. So the way this looks, because that almost, cause, I apologize, I have slight distraction on this end. The Jedi in the picture, is that supposed to be Starkiller? Mm-hmm. And this is from the new game, right? No. Okay, that's, that's from the old. That's from the old. Yep. Okay, so... Uh, so chances are, uh, as you said, this could be Kanan, maybe. Or maybe it's the original Starkiller before he became clones for Forced Unleashed. Maybe. That... Either way, either one of those could be interesting. Mm. Unfortunately, we still don't have enough details to really say for sure. Right. Well, how about some insights and tips about the new Star Wars pinball solo pack? Interesting. Uh, now, I have a, I have a couple of these. Um, I, I think I have the, the trilogy, um, Star Wars, Empire, and, and Jedi, Return of the Jedi. Um, so I hate the way they've got this with their site. It's like, let the, let the top part scroll up. I know. Why is it not? It was, it used to do that. Why did they change it? I don't know. It's a real pain in the butt. In the booty. Um, having played the release in advance, uh, starwars.com is happy to report that the tables are a wonderful celebration of Solo and its characters. The Solo table is a faithful trip through the film, complete with a zooming com- convex train. Uh, the Millennium Falcon in the playfield and the film's various worlds all represented. The Calrissian Chronicles table is a love letter to Lando, incorporating his style and stories from various mediums, including Marvel's acclaimed Lando series by Charles Soule and Alex Molev. Uh, the mm. Battle of Minbon table 
based on a short scene in which the Empire looks to take over the mud-covered planet, is a muddy masterpiece with rusty habit trails and, and up-close looks at the not-so-pretty Mibanese. Uh, from a f- purely design perspective, the pack is a major success. Uh, these tables are all unique from each other, but still look purely Star Wars and Solo. Um, of course, they're they're filled with fully animated Star Wars uh, 3D characters, creatures, and vehicles taking advantage of the, of the video game form to further capture the feel in the mo- of the movie. Um, but you strip away Star Wars and judge the tables as pure pinball experiences, and they're just as successful. Um, so are the others. Now this makes me want to look up my mind to see which ones I actually have. Zen Pinball is the manu- is the developer of the game, or mm-hmm. Zen Studios. It's Zen, you can get them on Zen Pinball. So who do I have? Agree. Yay. Um, it comes with a freebie. It comes with uh, Sorcerer's Lair, which is a Egyptian... Um, you got Jurassic World, Universal, Marvel, Star Wars, Aliens, uh, Fox, Walking Dead, and some other one. I don't remember which one it is. Uh, okay, so the ones that I have, I have Episode 5, uh, Clone Wars, um, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. So yeah, Episode 5, Clone Wars, and Boba Fett. I thought I had the others. But there's also uh, Star Wars, Pinball Solo, um, the three we just talked about, um, Last Jedi. I wish this list was easier to get to read. It looks like Last Jedi, Force Away, uh, Octu Island. I bet you that has porks on it. Uh, I would imagine so. Rogue One, Force Awakens, Might of the First Order, uh, Star Wars Rebels. Oh, that would be a cool one. Masters of the Force. I wish there was a way that I understand they gotta make money. Uh, droids, A New Hope, uh, the original trilogy, Han Solo, Returning the Jedi, Darth Vader, and Starfighter Assault. I wish they had something where you could just buy the whole bundle. Mm. Which, if they did, I want it to be discounted heavily. But I think I think the tables are like a dollar ninety nine each. Um, but showing the pictures, the solo pack, which the the solo the the solo one looks pretty cool. The center of the game has got the Falcon, um, and one of them you see Chewbacca standing there. Um, you see L seven on there. Uh, who am I missing? Um, the Lando one shows Lando from from the solo movie, but also has imaging from all the different films that he was a part of. <laughs> um, and that table looks cool, too, with Cloud City in the background. Um, the Memban one looks pretty cool as well. Or is this the Smugglers? The, the artwork on these look great. That, that's, that's all I got to say. They look awesome. Um, now here's some tips. First, your focus determines your, your reality. The first rule of digital pinball is not to just hit the flippers randomly, but try and time and aim your shots. Uh, and you still can do multi-bo- multi-ball multi modes. 
not multi-pass. That's fifth element. But you could do multi-boat ball modes. God, I can't talk. <laughs> uh, to reach out with your senses. Uh, not Although all the tables are different, they do have one thing in common. Lamp hints and dot matrix hints. Usually any mode is started lamp. It started lamps will start to blink in front of the lanes that you have to hit to complete the mode. Sort of like normal pinball. Uh, to aim precisely, try it to trap or catch the ball with one of the flippers. Again, it's an old trick from the actual games where if it's coming in slow enough or not speeding, if you keep the flipper up, you could cradle it in the flipper. All right. Um, and then let it roll down and you time the shot to go where you want. Um, so. Like, f- with the Calrissian table, they say uh, to earn big scores fast, start the main modes by hitting the right hole several times. Uh, look out for flashing lamps, hitting the lanes indicated. Uh, check the dot matrix display occasionally to see how many shots you still need to advance to the next phase of the mode. Uh, learn control, obviously. Uh, learn the ball control. Uh, use the flippers. Again, use them to trap. Uh if it's coming down fast, just learn to time the shot. Uh, don't be afraid to nudge. Um, basically, it, it can it can help save, but you know, be a little careful so you don't um, end up going into a tilt situation. So that's the pinball. Like I said, I I've got the three that I mentioned, and, and I love playing those. Hmm. I, I have fun with them all the time. So. Back to you for some more gaming news. Well, uh, September 12th, uh, just a couple of days ago, was known as National Video Game Day, and I missed it. Well, that's not totally true. I did play Spider-Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Uh, to celebrate it, StarWars.com talked to a few members of the Lucasfilm's games team and uh, asked them to name some of their favorite Star Wars games and gaming moments. Uh, and they let them pick from any era in any console or any emerging form. So, uh, of course, being the dedicated Star Wars gaming fans they are, they had some fun responses. The first response was from Michael, an assistant producer, and he said, uh, fulfilling your destiny in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, Of course, Knights of the Old Republic. It was a great game back in the day. I used to love that game. And uh, I wish they'd they'd bring it back and, and do something with it again. Um. And Michael said, when I first played Knights of the Old Republic in 2003, wow, 2003. So uh, long I, ago. I know. I, I took a, an open approach to the many moral choices the game presents, which was, a, that was a fun part of the game. You could kind of decide through your choices whether you wanted to go more light side or dark side. Yeah. Um, and like, like Michael, you could, you could also never fully commit to either side and kind of go down the middle. Uh, and he has a little spoiler alert here. After the shocking revelation on board the Leviathan that I was, in fact, Darth Revan, that all changed. In KOTOR, after players learn the truth, there is always one more star map to collect. 
to collect. While on this final planet, unique dialogue options are available, which refer back to the player's past as Revan. For me, that final planet was Korriban, fully embracing the dark side of the Sith homeworld, raiding the tombs of dead Sith lords, declaring my true identity as Darth Revan to all the pretentious Sith Academy students and demanding Master Uthar bow before his true Dark Lord. No moment in any Star Wars game has brought me such pure joy. If you are a fan of KOTOR and Darth Revan, you owe it to yourself to experience Korriban as Darth Revan at least once. And that was that was a big part of the fun of that game. I, I think Well, I, I think it's easy with that game to go dark side. Yeah. You just make every bad decision. Yeah. I I tried to stay in the middle as much as possible, which kind of makes things interesting. Yeah. Oh, you earn negative. You earn dark side points. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Michelle, the QA brand lead, her favorite was Ando Prime Twists and Turns in Star Wars Episode One Racer. Now, uh, of course, that was a pod racing game. And it was one of the few thing, one of the few really good things to come out of the uh, the Phantom Menace era. Uh, and she said, "My favorite Star Wars game is Star Wars Episode One Racer, particularly the Nintendo sixty four version, which is also the version I played." I remember clearly forcing my friends to play Racer with me. I love visiting all the planets, and racing games are still some of my favorites to this day. My favorite course in the game was Ando Prime, which was a snowy planet I knew nothing about. However, it just felt so different than the other courses, and I was always trying to beat my previous time. There's a shortcut near the beginning that I always, I was always going for and would surprise my friends with. That's fair play, right? <laughs> See, I never, got was, in, I never got into Racer. That, that was a fun game. I really, I really enjoyed that one a lot. Now, I played Pod Racer. And that was challenging. Uh, I don't remember. Is that you sure it's not the same thing? I'm almost positive. I'll look it up while you go to the next door. All right. So next we have Scott, the associate brand marketing manager. His favorite moment was stepping into the cockpit in Star Wars Rogue Squadron 1998. When I was around 10 years old, my dad built a PC for our family. And among the first games we got was Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Ah, yes. Another another great game. Along with a brand new joystick, I'd never experienced anything like it. I still remember the excitement of flying a Star Wars starship through a large, dusty canyon. I also remember slamming into the canyon walls every ten seconds or so. But it somehow never took away from the thrill of flying on another planet in another galaxy far, far away. You're right. Racer is the pod racing game. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was that was a great game. It was a lot of fun. I did play it. Yeah. But but I, I like but I liked uh I liked Rogue Squadron just that much more. Well yeah, that was that's a whole different battle game. And Rogue Squadron too was just as fun. Yes. So uh next we move on to Douglas, the assistant producer, and his favorite moment was Jedi action in Star Wars Jedi Knight. Jedi Academy. Yeah, that was a fun one too. I I don't think I played that one. Uh, it 
of course, Dark uh, Jedi Knight, which was part of the Dark Forces trilogy or Dark Forces mm. series. Um, this ended up being a sequel to that, mm. but not a part of. But it wasn't considered part of the Dark Forces lineup. Hmm. So he said, my favorite Star Wars gaming moment has to be the entire cult sighting mission in the Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy game. That's a long title. Yeah. When this game came out in 2003, it had some of the best lightsaber combat in any Star Wars game up to that point. Yes, it did. And this entire mission involved exploring this really cool-looking underground cave where you had to fight off all the lightsaber-wielding dark side cult members, lest they siphon off all the force energy from the tomb of a Jedi Knight at the bottom. Interesting. I, rem- I remember that mission. I also remember yeah, a mission, yeah. too, where you went after chicken walkers. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and you could throw the saber. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it was, there was some trip. I mean, you pull TIE fighters down. I mean, it was, it was a cool game. Mm. I mean, you didn't pull them out of the air, but you, they would be on their hangers in the, you know, on their things on, in the hangers, in their docks. And right. you could pull, I think you, you were able to pull them down. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, next, we have Orion, the senior producer. And his moment was wielding an elegant weapon in Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Yep. From 1997. Yep. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 had everything you want in a Star Wars game. Innovative gameplay, authentic sounds and music, meaningful player choice and storytelling that added depth to its level design and crazy boss encounters, especially relative to most games at the time. Kyle Katarn's mission to track down his father's killer starts out as a personal journey, but the stakes quickly become epic when you realize Jarek, the the man responsible, is a maniac looking to reforge the Empire. The first time I faced one of Jarek's Dark Jedi in battle, I couldn't believe I was actually having a real-time lightsaber battle in glorious 3D. And that I was going to have to further connect with the Force to take on the rest of his army. By the end of the game, I had gone from gunslinger to Jedi and felt more than ready to save the galaxy. Yeah, I do remember that one. That was a fun game. Yeah. And it, and that's when they started adding some live action like video in with the game. Yeah. So. So next, we have... Jacob, the QA brand tester, his favorite moment was the immersion of Star Wars Secrets of the Empire. I have yet to do this. Ah. This is the virtual reality game that's at Disney Springs and downtown yeah. Disney in California. Uh, obviously, I haven't done it yet either. <laughs> and he said, uh, my favorite Star Wars gaming moment is something that goes beyond a traditional game to instead being an interactive story. Star Wars Secrets of the Empire. The experience itself represents a profound moment in Star Wars where all of your fantasies of being fully immersed in the Star Wars universe are the most tangible and visceral. My favorite moment in particular was picking up a blaster as the alarm went off. I was actually a rebel spy infiltrating Mustafa disguised as an Imperial Stormtrooper, and my friends and I ran across a truly infamous character that would make any Star Wars fan's day. Ooh, I that could be. Yeah, yeah. You're a team of four. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I like that. 
see something like that, you and Ken come down. Because I know they're getting ready to add uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2 <laughs> as a virtual reality. So I don't know if they're going to be changing out the room or changing out the game soon mm-hmm. from Star Wars to that. But if they're keeping both, how cool would it be when if, if you guys make it down here for the opening of Galaxy's Edge, we run a contest and we get a listener to go with us and be our oh, yeah. fourth Problem is, we got we'll have to try and stop Ken from trying to body slam everyone. Being the <laughs> former pro wrestler, he is. Mm. All right, so this next one's a little weird. This is Jeff, the associate producer, and his favorite moment is the go anywhere fun of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I that was the one where it told the story. Basically, you you tried to recreate the the movie, mm-hmm. and I. I don't know. I didn't find it nearly as maybe as I was too old, but I I didn't think. I mean, it was a good game, but it, it wasn't one that really kept me into it. Yeah, I played through it, but I wasn't like super jazzed about it. So he says, "I'm going to be weird," which is and say my favorite Star Wars moment was exploring most Espa as Qui Gon in the Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace game. Going through a Monty Python phase then. In the episode one game had a charm to it that particularly responded with, not to mention as a 12-year-old, I was still very much infatuated with everything episode one as the movie had just been released earlier that year. Yeah, if you're 12, I can definitely see that. Uh, Next up, we have Nikolai, the QA brand tester, whose favorite moment is channeling a legend in Star Wars Obi-Wan. I don't remember this game. It was in 2001. And he says, my favorite Star Wars gaming moment comes from Star Wars Obi-Wan that came out for Xbox in 2001. Hmm. I think I missed that one. Obi-Wan is, oh, I remember it, but I don't think I played it. But I do remember the game coming out. Uh, Obi-Wan is my favorite character, and the lightsaber combat force abilities in that game felt so unique and were something I had not experienced previously in a Star Wars game, in particular, fighting my way through the Separatist forces in Theed and controlling Darth Maul set to do confronting, excuse me, confronting Darth Maul set to Duel of the Fates is something that has always stuck with me. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I missed that one. Yeah. I didn't have that. That was the first Xbox. I didn't have an Xbox then. I really wasn't into gaming then. <laughs> I mean, it was PC. If it wasn't available on the PC, I I just didn't. Mm. All right. Next, we have Janet, the brand marketing manager, whose favorite moment was going Imperial in Star Wars Battlefront 2, the 2017 version. And she said, my pick goes to Battlefront 2, and the moment you get to step into the shoes of the bad guy, or rather woman, and become an Imperial soldier in Iden Versio. I know, I know, spoiler alert, she defects to the rebellion in the campaign, but being able to play from the perspective of the Empire, even for a bit, during such a pivotal point in the timeline, is a dream come true for a dark side devotee like me. I don't have this one yet. Me either, but I'm. I still want to. I do want to get it at some point and at least play through this. The I, I'm hoping. Mission. I'm hoping. Mm. Black Friday, they they put a big sale on it. Oh, maybe. They, uh, they did a few. Up. They did a few years ago. That's how I got uh, Battlefront. Oh yeah. Uh, next we have Anthony 
the manager of brand marketing, whose favorite moment was the squad goals met in Star Wars Republic Commando 2005. Loved that game. Mm, He did, too. I loved it so much. Uh, They had on the Republic Commando website where you could download the Mandalorian, some some Mandalorian songs. They're like chants or um, Mandalorian folk songs. And it was... I have them, um, nice. and uh, they're pretty cool. They're they're very intriguing. Mm. So, uh, yeah, he said it's uh, it's the gameplay experience actually holds up even by today's standards. Yeah, it has the right mix of design elements that he values uh, in a really great game. Has great art direction with a mature and gritty aesthetic. Uh, it. The look and feel pulled him into the experience and surprised him with an emotionally gripping storyline, complete with a gut-wrenching twist. So, okay. yeah. And then we have uh, Marco, a producer, finally, who says, Feeling like you're inside Star Wars in Star Wars Galaxies and Empire Divided, which is a game I did not play. Uh, I, I did. It, it, it was cool. I mean, you went to different planets. Yeah. Basically, it was almost like a similar to Risk, but it wasn't. You you try you're trying to control the different planets, whether you're light side or dark side, and then you go down to the planet to take over the planet. <laughs> but you but you have your production stuff that you got to do as well. That one, I uh, I wish they they still had. Mm. Uh, he said it's it's a game that really allowed him to live in the Star Wars universe, um, and it's difficult to pick a special moment. But the one that sticks out for him is the first time he entered the game. He was he logged in on day one, built his character over many hours, and then was dropped into Tatooine. Amazing to see all the other players' characters running around talking. Oh, oh, okay. I got my game confused. That was the f- Star Wars Galaxies was the first MMO. Oh, right, yeah. So that that would be pre uh, pre Kotor. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it's no, I don't, I don't know if it because it's two thousand and three. Yeah, well, the the online Kotor. Oh, uh, oh, right, 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 right. I know what you mean. Yeah. So yeah, he he talks about how immersive the game is, and how it makes you feel like you're actually in in the universe, which is a really cool thing. Well, for me, I loved Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds. Oh yeah, I played which, that one, yeah. which was like a command and conquer uh, type game. Mm. And it was really cool, um, especially if uh, if you knew some of the cheat codes, like that's no moon, <laughs> and you could get the Death Star, <laughs> or uh, Imperial Entanglements, and you got Star Destroyers. Mm. Simon says, and you got this whacked out Ewok. <laughs> um, and of course, there were several codes where. You could get you know, your allotment of you get more ore or a select number of ore or uh, different things. So that helps. I mean, for me who was impatient, I just made it easy. It's like I just want to get in and battle. Okay, cheat code <laughs> or 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 Nova, 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 whatever. Boom, let's build up. Now we'll start building troops. But it was always fun too, just building like three or four Death Stars and letting them float around the screen. <laughs> <laughs> putting them on defense mode mm. so if anyone walked by they attacked <laughs> and they <laughs> took out a huge radius 
<laughs> what else did I play? Um, I was surprised no one mentioned X-Wing uh, Star Wars TIE Fighter or Star Wars X-Wing or X-Wing oh, know, versus right? TIE Fighter. Those yeah. were great flight sims. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad to see no one mentioned Starfighters <laughs> or Naboo Starfighter because those were horrible games. Mm. So, but um, being the smugglers we are, check this out. Um, coming out October 30th, and there is a new book coming to the series that has brought us uh, the Jedi Path, um, the Imperial Handbook, the Rebellion Handbook. Am I am I getting these right? Uh, yeah, it's the different guides or books for your different. There's a bounty hunters one. Oh right, yeah. There's one for the Sith. There's one for the Rebellion. There's one for the Imperials, like a Stormtroopers guide. Well, there's a new one coming out. And I think this one's very appropriate for us. Yeah, made sure. Um, and apparently there is a deluxe edition which features lights and sounds. And that was what was yeah. cool with uh, I think it was the Jedi one. It you open it up and a small puff of smoke or fog came out as mm-hmm. the as the thing lifts. As the book lists, um, as much as I would love to get these deluxe editions, I don't have the space for them, but I do want the actual books. And the new one coming out yeah. is The Smuggler's Guide. So that should almost be a uh, required book for us to have here. And <laughs> um, The Smuggler's Headquarters. We might have to see if we could get uh, with Utini. Oh, yeah. If maybe if you if you're on file for having ordered all six of our Wookie radio bags, you get this as a bonus book. Hmm. Either that or when we do our next pick, this is one of the books. Yeah, definitely. I think it would have to be. Or or we do these as our books. Smuggler's Guide first, then the Bounty Hunters, hmm. then the Jedi, then the Sith. So that's four. And then, you know, Rebel and Imperial. I think that would be cool. Uh, now, the author of this is Dan Wallace, and he talks about part of the tradition of the similar books dating back to 2010's The Jedi Path. Uh, each book, we've switched up the approach to the in-universe narrative, creating a handbook for newly minted Imperial officers, a top-secret scrapbook of Rebel documents. Uh, Smuggler's Guide is unique in that it's one continuous chronicle which has been passed down from one author to the next as various underworld factions fight for possession of its secrets. This is getting cool. Um, Dan say he would start writing the book by making first a list of all the underworld figures. I knew we couldn't get away with not including Han and Lando, but also the less famous faces and with shady paths like Dexter, Dexter Jetster, Bib, Bib Fortuna, uh, Star Wars Rebels, Sicatro, Visago, uh, and then cross-reference this list against uh, my research into the nature of Star Wars criminal activity. Uh, note the book, despite its title, has a scope that encompasses gambling, piracy, shipjacking, con artistry, gladiatorial combat, and a host of other sketchy trades. Well, that's still all smugglers. That's what we know of as the smuggler or the scoundrel in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, so um, there's a lot of handwritten notes added from one layer to another. Um, so not only are you going to find yourself reading the actual notations, but you're also going to find yourself reading the, 
the uh, the scribbles as well. Um, like one of the scribbles is, I knew Plug I Mago ripped me off, signed by Sanastaros. Hmm. <laughs> that name sound familiar? Indeed. From the... Uh, from the Star Wars series early on, and then over on Afra, I believe as well. Uh, she is the one who was first introduced to us as potentially Han Solo's wife. Um, there's also uh, a section on Dryden Voss, Beckett, and Han, and it fills more of their perspectives and details on things we see in Solo. Um, which I gotta say, I just finished reading the Beckett comic. Yeah, Man, great book. Yeah, I want more. I I finished that. And I'm like, this is where you're gonna leave off. <laughs> I want more. Now, mind you, it wasn't as good as the C3PO book, but it was still pretty good. Uh, Derek, you, you still there? <laughs> I, I I don't know if I can hear you. <laughs> As, as I'm realizing your comments. It's a trap! <laughs> C-3PO, most expensive free comic book day ever bought. <laughs> it would have been more appropriate if it came out when it was supposed to. Now, I will yep. say, I will say, I did read the DJ book as well. Yep, I did too. Pack it ten times better. That was a great story. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm just not sold on the DJ character. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this has been the uh, StarWars.com brings up. This has been the year of the smuggler. Uh, what do you think that particular type of character has proven to be so? Why has that particular character been so popular for more than forty years? Uh, and Dan responds back with. I think it's as simple as the fact that not everybody considers themselves a good guy or a bad guy. Look at the Jedi look and the Sith. There's a reassuring moral clarity there. Same thing with the Rebellion and the Empire. But a lot of people aren't quite sure where they belong and secretly wonder if they belong anywhere. That's why it could be satisfying to cheer for the scoundrels. Uh, so let's hear it for Han, Lando, Maz, Kanata, Dr. Afra, and all the other rogues in the ranks of the, unaff- the unaffiliated. <laughs> so... Um, I wish they had a better picture of what the deluxe edition looks like. Mm. Well, I know as a kid, Han Solo was always my favorite, so. He, he was one of mine. Um, I definitely did not have a problem um, partnering up with Solo and Boba Fett together. <laughs> Until, you know, even after I knew, oh, well, Boba Fett took Han Solo away. I recreated that too, even though I didn't have the Carbonite, Carbonite <laughs> Han, but. Well, it was still fun. That's when we used our imaginations to play. Yeah. So, um, but we shall continue on with a little more uh, solo fun. Well, yes. Uh, solo is a character, not solo as in by yourself. <laughs> because we're talking about, uh, interestingly enough, a deleted scene from the solo movie. In which... Uh, We're doomed. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> this exclusive deleted scene debuted on the Star Wars show. And in the scene, we see the playful side of Han and Chewie. 
uh, as they have uh, in the snowy mountains of Vandor, they have a snowball fight. That's right. Uh, so this week, co-host Andy Guterres sits down. Oh, so in addition to the deleted snowball fight scene, uh, Andy Guterres, Guterres sits down with the man behind the biggest surprise twist to come out of Solo. Uh, and Ray Park stops by to to talk about reprising the role of Darth Maul 20 years after he first spun onto the movie screen in Phantom Menace. And I still cannot believe that was kept a secret so long. That was amazing. So you can also catch more deleted scene, deleted and extended scenes when Solo, a Star Wars story, arrives home this week. Uh, you can also watch the full interview with Ray Park. Uh, get ready for the deadline to the Star Wars Fan Awards with pro tips from Lucasfilm's John Swartz. And go go behind the scenes with Pablo Hidalgo and more on the Star Wars show this week. And as for the deleted snowball fight, you can, you can also see that when Solo, a Star Wars story... Uh, comes out on blue on blu-ray 4k ultra hd blu-ray dvd and on demand on september 25th and it is now currently as we recording as we are recording this it is now on digital already yep so you can current you can currently see it in a digital format and see the physical, get the physical formats on September 25th. Very cool. Well, we got some new news on the Star Wars Resistance front. It released a new featurette about um, the Aces. Mm. Now we have met Team Fireball. Uh, now we are introduced to the elite crew of pilots hired to serve and protect the Colossus platform. In their free time, these hotshot flyers race each other for the accolades and bragging rights. Um, so in this, we meet the crew. Um, of course, we meet Tora Doza, uh, Hype Faison, which is a Rodanian, uh, Freya Fenris, Griff Holleran, and Bo Keevil. Which we were right is modeled after Evil Knievel. <laughs> um, and of course, now all their ships have been them and their ships are all listed in the Star Wars uh, database. Now, um, to me, it, I think where I am right, uh, Bo Keevil is a Keldor pilot, which I believe is the same race as. Uh, as Plo Koon? Mm. Yes, exact same race as Plo Koon. So that is pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good little feature. Yeah, and, and it's, um, Steve Stanton's playing one of the roles. He's playing Griff, right? Yes, and Griff looks like he, he's a former Imperial TIE fighter pilot. Yeah. And his helmet looks awesome. I would love to see that done by Anvos as a replica helmet. It could happen. Very well could be. So, um, so yeah. But 
uh, from here, um, there's a little interesting highlight about The Last Jedi. Yes. Well, as you know, some of you may be aware, there's a little bit of controversy around The Last Jedi, in particular, the death of Luke Skywalker. Just a little. Just a little. Just a little bit. Uh Uh, A lot of fans were upset that Luke died. Um, Some refused to admit that he died. Mike? (laughs) I am. Well, I have a new theory. I have a new theory. (laughs) I don't think he was really on Octu. I think that was done as a, as a, uh, like a wild goose chase, uh, red herring. Um, trying to remember the type of phrase I'm going for. I I think it is the he, he's not really there, but he is. That's why when he gets the saber, he really doesn't care because being a force projection, it's not going to hang on him right, and it's going to drop easily if he disappears for the night to where he's where he is at. If that makes sense, I still think he's somewhere else. And my speculation is he's down in some secret panic room at the Jedi Temple that he he brought back. And he forced projection there like he forced projection to Crete. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. So when Luke died in The Last <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> watch me. Uh, watch me be right. I That one is that's a wicked stretch. I don't see that being the case, but whatever. <laughs> I've seen weirder fan theories. Well, we will find out more <laughs> next year. Indeed. Um, of course, it was sad to see Luke go, but it was it was cool to see him get that epic showdown with Kylo Ren before he passed. Uh, <clears throat> and thanks to the final issue of The Last Jedi comic book adaptation, uh, some new light was shed on Luke and what he was thinking right before he passed. So uh if you see the the page where he where he disappeared we'll say <laughs> he was thinking uh, he was thinking pork it's what's for dinner <laughs> there's a caption that says and so it ends as it began by the light of two suns before stepping into a larger world so uh it looks like it looks like he kind of sees this as a the start of a new journey where everything kind of comes full circle for him. You know, he started off watching the two sons setting on Tatooine and A New Hope. Right. Every, everybody remembers that scene, that classic scene. And uh, now he ends his physical journey and starts a new one uh, as he joins to become one with the Force. And uh, his death is only taking him into a much larger world where uh, we kind of never – we've seen – Yoda come back. We've seen Obi Wan come back as Force Ghosts. So it's kind of a question of what the un, what what the afterlife is like in the Star Wars universe, particularly for the Jedi. Uh, so maybe we'll get to see a little bit of that explored in Episode Nine because we do know that Luke is coming back in Episode Nine, most likely as a Force Ghost, um, and we might even get to see him face off with Kylo Ren one more time. Because cool. he did, he did say after all that he'd see him around. Yep. So uh, it's interesting. That's that's kind of what I I like 
how the comic and the book can kind of expand on things like that and give you a little more understanding. Well, that that's the that's the whole purpose of the two. Is right. Like with the movie adaptations, it's almost a director's cut. Right. Uh, which is what it was for Rogue One. Um, but I mean, I think just like the novels, we're seeing the the other stuff where you know these are still canon um, and kind of either backfilling the novel story or the novels mm. are backfilling the comic story, depending on when they're being written. Exactly. So, um, so yeah. Uh, to kind of wrap us up, there's some cool stuff coming out. Like uh, apparently, you get over on Entertainment Earth. How about Han Solo and Carbonite inflatable costume? <laughs> that thing that is awesome. This looks sweet. <laughs> I'd, be, uh... I'd be all over it. And then uh, Funko launches a Star Wars pop figure holiday set. Those are awesome too. Yeah, I like the Chewbacca. I like the R2. Yeah. And it's so funny. The R2 and the and the C3PO is similar to I had the R2D2 C3PO holiday set action figure wise. Oh yeah. Based on the old Macquarie um Christmas card that he did. Mm. And this is carried over with them. Uh the Yoda's the same way. I don't remember Chewie or the Vaders being like that. Mm. But you got Vader holding a candy cane, Yoda in the Santa costume. Um R2 and C3PO and their outfits and Chewbacca all strung up with lights. And then apparently there's a glow chase edition of Vader where his um, candy cane glows in the dark. Yeah. Uh, they're going to start shipping. Um, I mean, you can pre-order now, but they'll start shipping in October. So um, at this point in time, I think that's going to wrap it up. Any final thoughts? Nope. Uh, I don't have any as well. So there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull out! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. There's one set for stun.